Welcome to the Valley College Connection, where John Kawai and Scott Wigan, two Valley professors, engage in a conversation about success with educators and students. Each week, they'll sit down with a different guest to find out ways each of us have had to plan, persevere, and overcome to where we are now. The show will also highlight resources and services that are working to make a difference at Valley College. Today, we are lucky to have Chad Sustin, Professor of Cinema and Media Arts, joining the podcast. Chad, could you start us off with a little history? Feel free to go back as far as you like. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, let's see. Well, <clears throat> I uh, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley and always just grew up around movies and uh, always wanted to be a, a, a filmmaker and made movies as a, as a kid. I had... Um, <laughs> I had a, the Panasonic, was it the, pa- no, 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 it was the Fisher Price PXL 2000. And if you look it up, they still actually sell them. It, they, they, the images are, are great for what it was. And uh, so, yeah, I, I made films as a kid and. Um, well, what kind of films did you make? Oh boy. Uh, just, <laughs> you know, for, I'd get some friends together uh, my sister and some of her friends, we would write out a quick uh, script, um, mostly mysteries and adventure movies, uh, having no idea what we're doing, editing in camera because we didn't have any uh, any kind of devices to actually edit the films together. So we would shoot it uh, uh, in the order of the script and um, there would there we would have a, a film. And at what age were you at? Oh man, um, probably yeah. Let's see. This was mid '80s, so maybe around ten, eleven. And then what kind of film were you using? Well, <clears throat> it wasn't uh, it wasn't film. My my parents had the Super Eight, um, but by the time I got around to being able to use devices. Uh, it was video, but it was crude video. Like I said, it was the, the Fisher Price um, <laughs> video camera, which recorded on these high bias uh, audio cassettes. And you had a little black and white monitor that you can play back to. Um, and it, it, it looked great for, you know, for what it was. So that's how we would, would shoot our movies. But um, we were serious about it and we had a lot of fun. Uh, so that's, that's how it started, I think. And then at what point did you start thinking about this seriously in terms of your career? I mean, what did your parents think about this when you were doing this as a kid? Oh, wow. Well, um, I think my mother just wanted me to be happy, do something that, that uh, you know, interests me. Um, there was a point in school where um, I wasn't quite sure. I, I knew I wanted to make movies, but um, I also loved design and I... I will tell you, middle school, even into high school, I would have sworn that I was going to become an architect. I wanted to design buildings. I wanted to design houses. I wanted to be the next Frank Lloyd Wright. And uh, then I spoke with a uh, career counselor who showed me what I'd need to do in college. And that consisted of quite a bit of math. And (laughs) I am an arts guy. What do you mean? Why can't I design houses without math? Why do I need math? This isn't going to work for me. So um, I went to community college and uh, still kind of teetered between architecture and filmmaking and uh, just decided to go the filmmaking route. So 
do you think you would have been able to do this if you didn't grow up in the VCR age? I mean, that made it so affordable at that point. Oh, wow. I mean, and it's even more affordable now. You can you can take out your phone out of your pocket. You can shoot any any scenes you want. And then on that same device, you can edit a film and then publish it to, uh, you know, some kind of outlet that exhibits your film. You, you've got everything right in your pocket. So I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it's amazing. I know talking to um, I have some friends that had graduated from USC film school and this was before uh, digital cameras were so available. So they had to do their uh, final project on, on uh, film. And, you know, that's a hundred to $200,000. So on top of their tuition, you know, they were a quarter million, 300, uh, I sorry, a quarter million to $300,000 in debt. Sure. Just to get their degree. Right. And then now when you look at it, it's almost free. It's insane. You're, you're absolutely right. When I was doing my undergrad, we were still doing film and I was shooting 16 millimeter and uh, I had to raise money. I actually, this was, this was before um, social media and uh, crowdfunding. And I did my own crowdfunding. I basically, I wrote a letter and um, sent a physical paper letter out to a bunch of family members, friends, anyone I knew that I thought might um, want to invest in my future. And I, I stated it just like that. Uh, you know, if you'd be so kind to help me in, in, and invest in my future. And I got some great donations and I took that money and I bought the film I needed <laughs> and rented the equipment I needed and did my thesis film. And it was expensive. And if I, I just thinking back that if, um, if everything were as digital as, as it is now, what, what students can do now with that money, it's, it's pretty insane. So how much, well, well, let's, let's wind you back then. So you went to community college and then um, which community college did you go to? I went to Santa Barbara city college. And then at what point did you make that decision to go media? Wow. So it's funny you asked that. I was actually just thinking about this the other day, uh, talking to somebody else. I remember there was a computer lab on campus and there was this new thing <laughs> called the internet and you could, people had websites and you could go, you know, or companies, uh, you know, your favorite band, uh, you go to a, a website and read about them and so they had this website that had a database of um, uh, all kinds of roles on on a film a film project, and I, that's when I knew this is what I wanted to do. But what do I want to do in film? I knew there were a lot of positions, so I read up on what a director does, what a producer does. I didn't I didn't grow up with um, family members uh, in the industry, so I wasn't really exposed to film sets. And uh, didn't have that experience. So I had to do my own research. And then when I transferred, I decided to transfer to a university that, that um, specialized in cinema production. And that's really when my whole, <laughs> that's when it all came together. I said, wow, this, this, I'm on the right course. This is exactly what I wanted. So explain what is actually cinema production. Like, what does that entail? It could entail quite a bit, it, depending on what 
what your interest is. Um, for me, I wanted to direct. Uh, I wanted to have what, what was going on up in my head um, and my, that vision to be shown up on the screen. And I had to learn all different aspects uh, uh, and, and try to figure out, okay, well, this is my composition. If I want to get my point across, this is where I put the camera. And then, well, what about the juxtaposition of my shots? Do I go with shot, this shot A and then shot B and then C? Or would it be more powerful if I went shot A, shot C, then shot B? What, what is that when a juxtaposition of shots? Oh, that's editing. So, you know, it was, um, it was community college where I kind of learned what those roles were. Um, Santa Barbara at that time didn't really have a film program. I, I believe they do now. Uh, but uh, so I took you know, a couple a couple classes, appreciation of cinema and uh, learned all that and said, OK, this is what I want to do. I do want to work with actors. I do. I do want to uh, direct. And that's when I transferred to um, uh, a university to, to specialize in that. And so when you say cinema production, I mean, that could mean whatever it means to you. For me, that was being on the set, um, directing actors, writing a script and working with a cinematographer and a sound designer and the actors and the producers and and being in the thick of it, getting it done, getting that script to screen. So were you able to do that at uh, Santa Barbara Community College? Not uh, not when I was there. I was there in the mid 90s and uh, they didn't have a, a film program. In fact. I do remember that the cinema class that I took there was in the English department. And um, by the time I was ready to transfer, they had just started their, their film studies program. And so the same class that I took and loved, they were offering now as a film studies class. So I took it again. I didn't need it, but I took it again <laughs> because it was in a different discipline. And, um, but that's all they had was, you know, just the aesthetics. Uh, they started building a program as I was ready. Well, frankly, I mean, it was Santa Barbara and I was ready to to stop partying so much and get serious about my my uh, studies. And uh, I could have stayed, who knows, another year, another two years just taking film classes. But uh, I, I was ready to transfer and uh, and get my BA. And then at this point, where was your head at? Like, who were your influences? Wow. Um, so... At, we can take it back a little bit. Um, as a kid, it was Spielberg. I mean, hands down, as, as a kid, I, I was a kid in the 80s, and uh, E.T. completely changed my life. I mean, I remember being in the theater, uh, watching it with my mother, and sobbing. Like, we had one tissue between us trying to, <laughs> you know, split it. And uh, I, I just remember feeling that emotion watching a movie. And so it was, it was definitely Spielberg as a kid. As I got into college, it, um, a community college, uh, my early 20s, it, it was Scorsese. Um, it was right. I, I think I hit college probably, you know, a few years maybe after uh, Goodfellas. And um, I remember being in college when Casino was, uh, came out. And I said, that's just, that's, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's it. And um, I, perhaps as part of my evolution, getting through film school and, and, and as I got older in college, uh, it was the Coen brothers. Mm -hmm. So after Santa Barbara Community College, where did you go? I went to CSUN, Cal State Northridge. 
they had a um, cinema program that was production-based. And there was another one, um, Long Beach, I was looking at. And it was a little too far. I'm from the Valley. And I, I didn't necessarily need to come back to the Valley. I mean, when I came back from Santa Barbara, I was living in the city anyway. But I wanted a, a, a cinema production, hands-on um, learning institution as opposed to kind of a research institution that taught you more theoretical um, concepts. I, I wanted to get my hands dirty. And, um, and CSUN has, I mean, Hollywood uh, Reporter, I think just a few years ago, ranked CSUN in the top 20 film schools in the country. So oh, really, um, I didn't know that. I was, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I was I was pretty fortunate to uh, be accepted as a transfer student and yeah, yeah, uh, majored in, in cinema production there. And it took me a couple of years to get through it. So I was the I guess I was the uh, the six year college guy <laughs> got through the, the four years and six years. But, you know, that's OK. We're, we all go at our own pace and I wouldn't change a thing. Well, I think when you do something like cinema, you want the extra years. You want the extra years for the internship. Mm-hmm. You want the extra years for the for the networking. This is true. This is true. Right. I spent some of my uh, extra years uh, uh, in Isla Vista in Santa Barbara um, with <laughs> partying. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, but you're right. The extra years should be spent. If I'm if I'm looking back on it and I'm trying to give someone advice, I would say yes. Yes, you want the extra years for the internship. You want the, but um, I, I, I'd be a liar if I uh, said if you that. Say that's what you're doing. Because yeah, <laughs> usually, exactly usually my advice is when I was at, uh, I used to work at Digital Domain doing special effects. And oh. when students come and ask me and they go like, and I say, stay in school as long as you can, like until you get a job. Because right. you can't, you can work for free as a student, but you can't work for free uh, when you're not a student. So once you graduate right. and you go, I'd like to work here. If you don't know somebody, you're not working there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you know, the fortunate thing about uh, people coming up now is there is a, a wonderful trend of um, uh, away from the free work. So even internships are paid now. Yeah. And uh, I think that's wonderful. I, I God, the, the unpaid internship uh, concept is just there's just something inherently wrong about having someone work for free, even though they're getting the experience, it's understood. And what is their work really when you're entry level, but not even entry level, you're an intern, you're getting more out of the process than the company. Let's, let's face it. The whole point is to teach. Uh, However, you are putting in hours for that company and uh, there is some value there. So it's good to see that the internships are paid. Uh, but yeah, you, you definitely, I did an internship when I was doing my undergrad. Um, I actually was savvy enough to, to work the system and made sure that I got the units for it. And it was funny because it wasn't, if I'm being honest, it wasn't really an internship. I actually got my first uh, full-time gig at a post-production house and then used that as an internship to get internship credits uh, in doing uh, my undergrad. Uh, but, you know, yes, when I graduated, um, I was able to use the connections that I made uh, to to gain employment elsewhere. So that's 
how I got my foot in the door is, is uh, networking, like you said, getting that gig while I'm in college. And then when I graduated, I was, I was already set. I was working. Yeah. I, yeah. I even say this for engineers. Um, you know, my, I worked when I was at uh, UCLA and, you know, I graduated five years instead of four, but I worked for three of those years. So I could, you know, when I graduated UCLA, because I had three years of working, um, I got the best job. So I could yeah. be there five years and get the best job or be there four years with no experience and then have to work my way up. So I've never had a problem with people who, who spend a little time saying, get to know your industry before you graduate, make your contacts before you graduate, and then know who's going to hire you before you graduate. Absolutely. So let, me, so let me ask this. So when you did your internship at the, or I guess your job at the post-production, I mean, that's a great place to start. Um, which post-production was this and what were your responsibilities? Well, it's funny that you said digital domain because I remember that was a competitor uh, of ours when I was at Complete Post. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, Sunset and Gower, right, right around the corner from Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. So, oh, and if, if and if you told if you told Scott Ross, our CEO, he used to be in charge of Industrial Light and Magic, that right. we were post production, he would lose his mind because <laughs> he would say we are not post production. We are special effects, but you know, we lost money on special effects. You lose money on special effects. Yeah. You can't yeah. make money on special effects uh, because there are so many people who want to do the glitzy things. They'll do it at a loss. You make money on post-production. Right. So the, only, the profitable part of our company was post-production. But if you mention that we were a post-production <laughs> house, my boss will lose his mind, but go ahead. That's, so tell us about the post-production awesome. house and what does no, the post-production um, house do? Oh, sure. So I, so this is, let's rewind a little bit. Um, I was interested in directing. I was in my uh, undergrad at, at um, CSUN and I was making films and you always want to make films. I mean, I tell my, my students that all the time, just continue to create um, make make films no matter what. It's so easy now. You don't need film. Just you don't you, you have a camera in your pocket. Just make a film. So uh, I was making films, and then I um, had a and this is from networking. A friend, uh, it was a family friend who actually wonderful man. Uh, he he passed away uh, just a few years back, but so so wonderful. He used to produce the Jane Fonda workout videos. Mm -hmm. And um, he did a lot of uh, political uh, campaigns and um, not anything I was interested in doing, but, you know, hey, he's this one contact that I was able to find that's in the industry. And he got me an interview with Complete Post. Why? Because he was a client at this post house, Complete Post. So that was my in. And I interviewed there. Um, actually, I'm going to take us on a quick tangent, but I tell my students this also during my interview, uh, you would think it, it would be, you know, very formal. Um, but I'm sitting in this office and with these two guys and, and one of them asks, uh, lays it out, uh, lays it out for me. The 1994, was it 94, 95 Academy Awards? He just looks at me, and says, what film should have won? And I, I loved it because, oh, I know the answer. Oh, I do. And boom, I say Pulp Fiction. He looks at me. He nods. He shakes my hand. He looks at the other guy that I was interviewing with. He said, 
this we want this guy. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he's, one this guy <laughs> he's one of us. Yeah, it was something like that. It made me feel really good for the rest of the interview. But um, you know, that I tell my students that all the time because you just know know your movie, know movies, know take classes, know know the history of cinema. Uh, you, you take a history of cinema class, you think that's not going to help you because ah, it's the history of cinema. What do I need to know? I'm not I'm not going to be a film critic. I want to be a cinematographer. You never know. You could be in an interview wanting to be the assistant camera for the cinematographer. And she may ask you, eh, 2000, what should have won the best picture? And you should know what was up for best picture. So um, anyway, uh, so where were <laughs> I think I lost track. Where were we? So what's post-production um, post and lower your yes. responsibilities? <laughs> right. So uh, Complete Post. So I get this job at Complete Post and loving it. I mean, that's where I was partying and that's where I was eating at two in the morning at Roscoe's and then getting up the next morning and going to work right there at Complete Post. Wonderful time. And uh, so what did I do? What did they do? Well, first, the, a post house uh, it's all post-production. So when you shoot, um, at the time you'd shoot on film, you, the film would go to a laboratory like Photochem to be developed. And then it would be sent to us to be uh, transferred from film to video. And then you, you know, you do the editing uh, non-linear um, from the tapes that you transfer it to. Well, now it's all digital, but you still need a post house. You need a post house for visual effects. You need a post house for color correction. You need um, a post house for sound, for post sound, editing um, uh, offline and online. So uh, a post house finishes the movie. It, uh, they, they put all the finishing touches, put it all together, get it ready for broadcast or get it ready for streaming, get it ready for the theaters. So what I did at the time, my entry level job was in the vault. Uh, that's it. That's like the PA for a post house, a PA being a production assistant on a, on a film set, you know, is a gopher. The, they, they get everything. They, do, they, they make sure somebody needs something, they go and get it. So that position at, at a post house is in the vault. And the vault is where you keep all of the um, materials, like uh, uh, all the assets, the, the film, the, the tape, the hard drives, the, you name it. Um, so, so if they uh, ask you to get a clip, you're the Wrangler. You go find there it. There you go. Yes. So 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 if a color grading session is going on, you know, two floors up, and they say, "Hey, we need a visual effect to drop in here," um, you know, where is that visual effect? And you're in the vault. You can say, "Hey, they just dropped off the hard drive. I'm checking it into our system, and I'm going to run it up to you right now." So that's kind of that's where I started, and um, I started there actually part time. And that was when I was using it as an internship uh, while I was in college. Um, by the time I graduated, they they brought me on full time. And soon after that, just from working really hard. And I remember um, when this happened, I got promoted to um, film cleaner. And that really is not even a position <laughs> anymore. But um, film would be strung up on this rack to be transferred to video. And sometimes it has to be, uh, they have to go through the film several times and it gets dusty. So they need to clean it. So they would send it to me and I would put it in these big machines. Um, one machine used this chemical that's illegal now called trichlor, <laughs> which is short for something, trichlora something thing. I'm not, I don't remember. All I remember is they told me, don't touch the chemicals. Um, Okay, no problem. And it would submerge the film in the chemical and run it through and clean it. 
And um, so back what I was saying, I remember when this happened, this um, this promotion, because uh, I was one of the newest kids on the block and I was working in a, in the vault with a lot of other uh, people and I got promoted over them. And I remember saying to them, guys, you know, what are, what are we doing here? This is, this is a stepping stone, right? And there were a lot of people who kind of just didn't know where they were going yet. So, so I kind of, maybe I should use this time for any, any uh, students out there listening, go get it right? You're not entitled to it, but if you want it, go get it. Show them that you're the person that, that, uh, des is deserving and it will happen for you. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I, I became kids, film cleaner. Yes. I have kids come to me all the time cause you know, they get pushed to me cause people know that I worked in, in, in film also. And, you know, I give them the lowdown that you're probably going to get paid way less than your worth. You're going to, they're mm -hmm. going to work you really hard. They're not going to care about your health. And it's really as great as you think it is. Like what you get to do. Like it actually yeah. is wonderful. Right. Oh, but my God. Yes, it is. But you have to, you have to go get it. Like they are willing to teach you. But if you are not willing to come in early, stay late, be consistent, come on the weekends to learn, there's no place for you. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. One hundred percent. The only reason why I got any of the promotions I got and I was promoted a couple of times there, three times, I want to say, before I left um, was because I would come in early, like you said, uh, stay late on my own time. Now, should should that be expected of people? Of course not. Of course not. No one should ever expect someone to work for free. That, that should never be expected. But let's face it, those who do look better than those who don't. Yeah. Let's it, ju it's just, the, it's just uh, you know, um, the reality. Yeah, I think so. the way someone explained it to me is, so we're doing high-end special effects. And we're wondering, why are we losing so much money on a $200 million um, budget movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? And we're like, Arnold Schwarzenegger gets most of that money. <laughs> We're getting 20 million for all effects for true lies. He said, think of yours, think of our business as being a, 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 um, a, a may. Do you want to clean a bathroom or do you want to clean a bedroom? And you're going, well, I'd rather clean a, um, the bedroom. I'm like, okay, well, how much of a discount will you take to clean the, the bedroom? We have the job everyone wants to have. So right. we have to do that job at a discount in order to get that job. And it's just a question of how much of a discount will you take in order to be able to say, I worked on this movie. Sure. So, you know, this whole thing of like, I'm going to go here and get rich. If you're irreplaceable, sure. But most of us aren't. So it's all, it's a, it's a low margin business, right? The moment someone's going to do it for a little bit cheaper than you, they're going to go with that person. So while it shouldn't be expected of us, it's kind of like how the economics of the business is. But I, I think like uh, John Stewart did a big thing in trying to in getting people in cinema um, internships, because I think at one point someone had pointed out uh, in his audience that um, he is uh, biased, that all the people in that are 
internships that you're giving opportunity are are white. And he was upset and he said, that's absolutely not true. And he went back and he looked at all of the internships that they, interns that they had, and they're always all white. They're always all from rich families. And then you finally dawned on him, why are we not more diverse? Why do we only have rich white kids as interns? It's because they don't pay and they're the only ones who can afford to be there for free. Yeah, sure. So then I think he was sort of one of the outspoken ones to say, I was really wrong. And they started paying. And I think that started this sort of movement now where people are starting to say, like, if you want to have a different voice at your company, you're going to have to pay because diversity, you know, people, um, diversity costs money. That's just what it is. But it's an investment. Yeah. It, it's a, it's, and it's a great investment. You, you want a diverse um, population. You want a div, uh, diverse vision. You uh, absolutely in your in your company. You absolutely want to hear from uh, a, div- a diverse population. So I think that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. So let me ask this: So when you're working on your student film, your undergraduate project, what were you doing? Like, what was the film, and how much? What was your budget, <laughs> and what kind of film were you using? So um, I got to think back. Uh, we, that was during the, the digital takeover. Um, so we're talking about 2001 and, um, everything. Oh, okay. So everything I had worked on up to that point was 16 millimeter as a matter of fact. So it wasn't my thesis that I did. uh, I, I did my thesis on digital. I was actually one of the first to do a thesis film at CSUN digitally. Prior to that, everyone was doing 16. Uh, prior to that, I did all my projects on 16 millimeter, but there was a new camera that was put out on the market around the time. It was the Canon XL1, and it shot on these uh, mini DV tapes. I don't know if you remember those little mm-hmm. tapes. And um, and the, the camera was extraordinary because you could switch out the lenses. This wasn't a little handy cam. This was a legitimate camera. And in fact, uh, Steven Soderbergh used it on the film Full Frontal around that time. So we were all about it and we got a hold of a Canon XL1. So that was my thesis was, um, was on digital. It was 20 minutes, which is ridiculous. I think it was ridiculous back then. It was already too long, but this day and age, uh, you know, I have students doing their thesis films in our advanced class and I, I cap them at five minutes and they want to go longer than that. Who's going to watch it (laughs) where, you know, you, you, People and, and, you know, our attention span these days, forget about it. Um, so in retrospect, it probably should have been shorter, but it was a 20 minute short film. It was a, it was a drama and I shot it uh, on the XL1. And um, at the time I was also working at Complete Post. Now, by that time, I can't remember if I was, I think I was cleaning film at that time. This was prior to being promoted to a Telecine Assist which in Telecine is the process whereby you uh, string up the film and you scan it into uh, digital. So um, I want to say this was around the time that I was cleaning film, but I was working with the colorists who were doing the Telecine, the, the film to video transfer, because I would clean the film for them. I would bring it back. 
And then at some point um, they were overloaded and they said, hey, can you string that film up for me on my machine? Uh, sure. And they taught me how to do it. And then, of course, that's how I got the promotion to be a telecine assist. So around that time, I was shooting my my thesis. Now, it wasn't on film, but you still need a colorist. You still need a colorist now who works uh, hand in hand with the director of photography to make sure, you know, everything uh, looks right. You have the color right. You have the saturation levels right, the highlights. You have the contrast. So um, I was able to get my 20-minute thesis film uh, done by a colorist, uh, color graded for free. Wow. We're talking about thousands. We had, I mean, the colorist who did my, I, I used several colorists on several projects, but if I'm not mistaken, the colorist that did my thesis film worked on some some of the best shows at the time, Six Feet Under, um, <laughs> God, what else? See, I mean, I, you had I, real pros. Oh, my God. It was amazing because I was their, you know, basically their assistant. Sure. And they were happy to to do it for me. And I got to sit next to them. And it was empowering because here I am, this, you know, young 20-something-year-old who directed his thesis film for his undergrad, you know, uh, for college. And I'm sitting in the director's seat with a colorist. My essentially my boss, right? Mm -hmm. At the, at the post house. But now I'm on my own time and I'm sitting next to him. And now I'm the director. I'm the boss. I'm telling him how I want my film to look. It was, it was unique. Uh, it was a unique situation, but it was empowering and it felt, it felt right. I was, I was part of the artistic process for my vision. Sure. So that was, that was pretty neat. Well, let me ask this. I, I went through your bio and it's really amazing. Um, just give me two of your favorite positions. Like what are your two favorite jobs that you've had? Oh God. Um, so is this not counting the one I'm doing now? As yeah, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, so we'll probably transition over to Valley college, but um, before we get there, tell me the two one to the two that stand out that you really enjoyed. Like you were there and you thought, this is so cool. I love being here. Mm. I remember oh, wow. one day at work programming some special effects and I, and I called my mom and called, called my wife and called her and said, I wrote a, a perfect page of programming. It's beautiful. There's, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's no fat on this thing. This thing is perfect because it's pristine. This was a perfect day of working on a movie. And that's uh, awesome. So just for you, what was, sure. what were sort of like two or three of the moments where you were working on something and you just thought, this is, this is really cool. I had a dream and it's amazing that this happened. So the first one that comes to mind was actually not the work I was doing, but more where I was working. Um, at this uh, time, I was, what am I, late 20s? And I was uh, working for DreamWorks live action uh, in their post-production department. And uh, I, I just, every day I looked around and said, I, I, am I really working here? Is this really, this, this is my job? This is where I work? So um, I remember one morning, as a matter of fact, and, and DreamWorks, they, there's, there were two um, campuses. There was the animation campus out in Burbank, but the live action was where Spielberg's office mm -hmm. was, is now maybe, I'm not sure. And uh, it's, if you have ever done the Universal tour, it's on the Universal Studios lot. 
and it's behind those big Jurassic Park gates. So I would come to work, punch in my code, and those big Jurassic Park gates would creep up, <laughs> you know, creak open, and that's how I would walk into <laughs> to work. So um, I remember one morning, uh, I, I get there early, I punch in the code, the, the gates open, I walk through, I'm looking around saying, seriously, I'm, I'm seriously working here. And uh, I walk to the commissary because they had free breakfast every morning and I start making a plate, little bagel, put some eggs on there, you know, puts, put a little uh, breakfast together. And um, I was with, uh, what was I doing? I was um, post-production coordinator at the time. And so this was early on when I first got there and our PA for our department was taking me around and, you know, showing me things. So this is the commissary. So I'm in the, you know, I'm there in the morning putting my breakfast together. And from the commissary, you can look out through the glass doors into the reception area and then through the next set of glass doors to the uh, front where there's just like two or three parking spaces. The first one, obviously, for Mr. Spielberg himself. And as I'm standing there, this um, hybrid Toyota Highlander parks in that spot. And I remember thinking, ooh, what, somebody's parking in Spielberg's spot. That's interesting. It was Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Just a little side note on him. I mean, right, you know, this is right when hybrid started uh, coming out. I think he had a Bentley too, but he drove around in a Toyota. I thought that was great. So gets out of his Highlander with his, you know, the typical Spielberg baseball cap and the, the leather uh, writing case, briefcase, and walks into, um, through the doors into the reception. And I'm just sitting there and again, you know, late 20s, but still shell-shocked, right? I mean, this is, like I said earlier, this is one of the reasons, this guy, one of the reasons why I got into filmmaking in the first place. I mean, Jaws, you know, E.T., uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so he... He walks in and he comes through the doors and I'm just staring. And I was with some other people uh, in a little circle and we were talking and he comes in. Hello. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Looks at me, looks everybody in the eye. Good morning. How are you? And then goes up to his office. And I thought, this is right. This is, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is this is great. And I, you know, I could see his, his office window from where my office was. I, I just, uh, so that was one that, that comes to mind. And you so cannot my, ask for an <laughs> autograph. No, <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Can't, my wife, my wife always, you know, she'll see a celebrity. She'll go, go get an autograph. Like, I will not ask for an autograph. Like, just, it is taboo. So <laughs> no matter kid. who is around, like, I will not ask for it. Right. So, you know, other people will be around me. They'll run and go get an autograph. Like, I still have it in me. Like, you do not ask for an autograph in those moments. Man, what are your other ones? It reminds me of the scene from uh, Annie Hall where where uh, he says, uh, let me get an autograph. It, it's, it, what does he say? It's, it's for my niece. Make it out to Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just botched the line. I, I actually can't remember. But, you know, yes, you don't, uh, you don't really, you're not going to do that on, on, on this, the lot. Yeah. Uh, so, but it is so weird, right? Mine. It's like those ESPN commercials where you see those uh those athletes just walking around the office and you're just not supposed to like, don't stare, don't look, pretend like it's, it's this, but look who that is. Right. <laughs> right. Of course. Oh, uh, the one with um, uh, Arnold Palmer when yeah. he's in the cafeteria mixing his, own, his iced tea and his lemonade, <laughs> making the Arnold Palmer. Yeah. And then do you have any other like really great memories? 
Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So that that was that was one that sticks out just because of where I was. But to be honest, I wasn't really I was doing more admin work and it, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, <clears throat> another one that sticks out was really just actually just a, a, a project that I was working on. And again, it was less um, artistic and more just about the filmmaking process and being a part of it. And um, I worked on a feature and I was lucky enough, it was in post, but I got brought on right at the end of production. So I got to work for a year. I was employed for nearly a full year on one film. And uh, the director did not uh, fancy, uh, you know, office space on the lot. This was, it was at Sony Pictures. So uh, they accommodated and paid for a house for all of us to work out of in um, Malibu. So I got to go to work every day in the hills, right by the ocean in, it was near the Palisades. And um, my, you know, the living room was where my office was with some, some fellow um, uh, coworkers mm -hmm. and the director was in the guest house and the producer was working in a bedroom and it just, um, it was a great experience. I I was working in post. I was the a post coordinator uh, for this as well, and this was different because I was a post coordinator on a feature, not at the studio. So I, I got to mix it up with the filmmakers. I got to sit down with the editor and watch him edit and talk, you know, in some downtime just to you know see what his process is. This this was an Academy Award nominated editor that I was sitting next to, just watching his process and chatting with him. Yeah, isn't it so, amazing how much you learn yeah. when you just sit with someone and they they, exp they explain their process? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Absolutely. And how they do things and why they do things. And I still, you know, have memories of, like, sitting with, like, because people in film, they're really amazing at what they do, because if you're not, you can't make a living at it. Right. Right. A absolutely. I, I'll always say, yes, you've got to be good at what you do. You also want to be a pleasant person to work with. Yeah, that's that's really how you get the next gig is you you were pleasant to work with people don't. Uh, what was it? Uh, is it Maya Angelou who said, you know, they, people won't remember what you say. They'll just remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. Right. So people won't necessarily remember what it was you did on a, a production or, or unless it was something profound that you figured out the whatever. They're not going to remember. They're just going to remember how. You, they felt around you. And if that was a positive experience, they're going to want that again. Yeah. So you'd be a pleasant person to work with. You're going to get another gig. So let me ask this. How did you end up at Valley College? Um, well, I think it was since Santa Barbara City College when I was there as a student in my early 20s. And I saw my cinema professor talking about movies. I and I, I was already a film lover. I said, wow, I mean, I love this stuff. This guy's got the best job in the world because I sit around with my friends talking about this stuff, but he gets paid to do it. <laughs> this is, that's, that's really cool. I think one day maybe I'll, I'll do that on the side. And I always thought of it as something I was going to do on the side. And in fact, I did. I wound up getting a gig as an adjunct teaching on the side, teaching in night classes while I was uh, at Technicolor. And so um, that, which was my most recent um, gig before getting the full-time job 
is I was producer for broadcast at Technicolor and I would work a regular work day on say a Monday. I would leave there, shoot right over to Valley College and teach a 6.30 p.m. night class. And it was funny because I did that for a few semesters until I realized most of my thoughts about reflecting on my job and, and, and my day was the three, four hours I spent teaching that night, not the eight, nine, 10 hours I spent <laughs> at Technicolor doing my job. And I obviously I realized this is this is what I want to do. And I got to say, if, as hard as it was getting a gig in the uh, film industry, it was 10 times harder getting a full time teaching uh, job at Valley College. Well, um, you got to wait for someone to die. I mean, there's so few of these <laughs> cinema then. jobs, right? I mean, you literally are waiting for someone to die before something opens. Well, waiting for someone to die and waiting for a recession to get to, to, exactly. to end, right? Right. Yeah. My chair was the last person before me hired as a full-timer in our department. And um, let's see, I was brought on full-time in 2016. He was brought on full-time in 2001. So 15 years before they hired another full-timer in, in our discipline. It's, uh, yeah, they're, they're hard to come by and best job I've ever had. I, I love it. So what classes do you teach? Uh, I teach cinema and media arts. Uh, they're pretty much one and the same um, and various uh, courses within each discipline, uh, some production, uh, some theory, uh, uh, criticism uh, uh, classes. Uh, so let's see, um, sound, uh, I'll be teaching next spring. Um, Let's see, uh, advanced production, which is uh, the thesis class for the students who have gone through our entire program. Um, on, the, on the theory side, uh, history of motion pictures, um, understanding motion pictures. I'm teaching a, a class right now. Um, it's definitely one of my favorites uh, to teach is master filmmakers. Um, I had the good fortune of uh, being able to write the class myself and um, bring it into our curriculum and be able to offer it. And so it's funny. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of like, you, you know, writing a script and then directing it and then seeing people watch your film. Um, it, it's, it, there's something really um, fulfilling about having written a class, pushing it through the arduous journey it takes through the curriculum process, getting it into the catalog, getting it onto the schedule and then standing in front of the class and watching these students enjoy taking the class. So who are the, um, who, who are the artists that you um, cover in the class? Oh, and master filmmakers. So yeah. it's different. It's different. Most times um, you only have a semester, right? I mean, this could be a four semester class. Uh, it could be even longer. So um, this time around um, I've taken a, a, a postmodernist approach, which I have in the past too. I actually, uh, enjoy it. And um, we're focused on um, Quentin Tarantino, uh, the Coen brothers, Martin Scorsese. Uh, we do uh, P.T. Anderson, um, David Lynch. Uh, let's see, Darren Aronofsky, we, we touch on. So very accessible. I mean, very modern, very accessible, very pop culture. 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, because uh, I have, it's not just kind of an a la carte, you know, hey, let's talk about uh, Kurosawa and Hitchcock and, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, whoever. It, it, this is, there's more uh, a theme. I have the postmodern theme. Uh, sure. So it's the postmodern filmmakers. And um, I mean, I, I know I enjoy it. I hope my students are enjoying it. They seem to. Uh, they, the, this one's online uh, because of the pandemic. We went online. Hopefully the next time we'll be face to face. But from the, the discussions that I read and, and they, they seem to really be enjoying it. So if a student has is very serious about getting an internship and gets an AA, do you, I feel that pretty confident that they can break into the business. Do you think a bachelor's is necessary? It depends on who you are. I mean, it does. I, I say this to my students all the time. Do yourself a favor, get something, complete something, be a completer because that's who gets hired. I've been in positions where I'm looking at resumes for entry level positions and saying, well, who do we hire? And on the one side, it is somebody who has all the qualifications we're really looking for uh, to you know, handle this job, whatever the job is. And on the other side, same qualifications. However, they have a degree or even a certificate. You know, we offer certificates at community college that requires no general ed at all. And in our department, we have a ton of certificates. What does a certificate tell me as an, as a, you know, a potential employer? It, it doesn't just tell me, oh, look, a certificate in, you know, I don't know, directing. Well, we're, all, we're hiring entry level for the vault, say, at this post-production facility. We don't need a director. No, no, no. no. I look at this, I say, certificate uh, in directing. I look at the certificate part. I say, that's someone who completed something. That's not easy to do. That's someone who took classes passed their classes within each class. They passed final exams, right? And, and did projects. They completed all of this that culminated in a completion certificate. Well, what does that tell me? That tells me I give them a task. They're going to complete it. In fact, I won't have to look over their shoulder and make sure they complete it. They obviously can do it on their own. They did it. So, to answer your question, it's hard. It depends on who you are, yeah. but at the very least, get a certificate yeah, that that will put you above and beyond other people who don't have one. Yeah. And I think the other thing, too, is if you want to work for one of the big companies, you're probably going to have to get a bachelor's because oh, yeah. it seems as if they're doing a culling now that even though you have experience, if you don't have a bachelor's like Disney, they're starting to call out all their non-bachelor's employees. Mm hmm. So if you want to go to a Sony or Warner Brothers or Disney, I think that bachelor's is starting to become um, just a calling point just because they get too many resumes. Which is hard. And we can go back into the uh, diversity conversation and about opportunities. And, you know, if you're someone um, who cannot afford to be taking time off to take classes because you have to work to support a family, that's going to be harder for you to get that bachelor's. The, we can have that conversation on, uh, for another podcast, but you know the unfortunate reality is you're right. And another thing that some some people don't think of, I know I didn't think of when I was, uh, you know, in my early twenties um, looking to transfer, is um, is that you don't know what, where you're going to end up. 
You may say, hey, I want to do this and this doesn't require a bachelor, so I'm not going to get one. Well, guess what? On your journey to this, that comes up and you may now want to do that, but that requires a bachelor's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you never know. So a bachelor's degree opens up so many more opportunities. And who knows? You may wind up doing this. You may wind up doing what you wanted to from the beginning. But statistically, I'd say probably not. Yeah. I, I mean, think if I, you're I think if you're ahead. on this journey, be careful of debt. Yeah, that's another one. That's another tough one. Although I am liking what I'm seeing uh, lately about student debt and how the crisis is finally being um, addressed. That said, it, we've got a long way to go, and um, yeah. it's it's tricky. And I will tell you, USC Film School has destroyed I don't know countless lives. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, just the sheer cost of it. And look, you know what? Nothing against USC, too. I, I, I you know, my wife's a Trojan. We, we, I, I'm all about USC. It's the number one film program in the world, hands down, hands right. down. However, I tell my students at Valley College this all the time: is we are producing, <laughs> we are producing filmmakers that are way more resourceful than USC because yeah. we don't have all of the things that the USC filmmakers have access to. So you have to be more resourceful. You will get gigs. You you will know what to do in a, in a pinch. You will know what to do with a budget. And, um, you know, don't give up. Just because you can't go to a USC, don't give up. Because also, you're right, you leave USC, you're also leaving with a ton of debt. I mean, because, you know, you leave USC and you're, let's say, a quarter million dollars in debt. That first job you're getting is forty thousand dollars parking cars <laughs> at, at Warner Brothers. I mean, it really is, right? I mean, yep. Because yep. you have to work your way up from you know parking cars and stuff like that, right? Yep. From from the vault. Everyone starts from the vault, whether sure. you have a master's or not. Unless you're Spike Lee and you have a student film that has really wild people, mm -hmm. you're in the vault. You are parking cars. You are a security guard. You're directing traffic. You're making 30, 40 grand. And, you know, that loan is there. So, you know, I saw it firsthand of just how many lives, you know, USC Film School destroyed because people didn't do the math that just so you know, you're going to have to pay this off. That if you had gone the other direction of what you did, where you went into the vault and built a career from there. Yeah, you, you could have you can actually keep your salary. Well, you said it when you said do the math and I'm an arts guy. I don't do math. But I, can do enough, <laughs> I, I can do enough math to know that while I know that I want to be, you know, if I'm, a, you know, when, when, when I was in my early 20s, I knew I wanted to be the next Scorsese, but I knew the math and I said, I'm going to be prepared to not be right. Yeah. And it's not just. You know, I, I would love, want to instill in, in young filmmakers and, and students, that doesn't mean you're not worthy. That doesn't mean you're not good enough. Luck plays a big uh, role. Uh, knowing people plays a big role, but it's just life. It's just where, where your, your journey takes you. And that doesn't mean it can't be as fulfilling as what you originally planned out. It could be even more fulfilling. Right. Just, and, just be ready for it. And they can, you know, like, without the film school, actually get there. And 
my friend owns a um, um, an animation house. It's actually like four blocks from school, and he he built it from scratch. He used to work at Disney, and you know he does some Comedy Central stuff. He does um, he he made his own feature, and he goes, you know what? I had this. I made a feature. It was you know it was you know it won a lot of awards at these um, festivals. He couldn't get it on Netflix. But he got it in, you know, local theaters. And he goes, he goes, you know what? A 30-second short that is punchy and funny will get my company more attention than my feature. Like, <laughs> think of all the money I spent on that feature and that film. Yeah. And, you know, they went to India to get it was to get this very famous um, uh, comedian. He says, it's a, it's a serious role. We want you to come over here and do it. Like, the amount of money they spent. And he goes... I have a really, if I have a really good YouTube, that gets me way more attention. So if you want to like get your name out there, you can with like a, with a series of really great punchy little short films, digital, you know, people will see There's nothing stopping you. There's nothing stopping you. You you got that phone in your pocket, take it out and do something with it. Okay. So I could talk to you forever. Because, you know, Likewise. I just love people. I love talking about film. I love talking about all of this stuff. Um, what's your best advice for a student wanting to break into the business? Maybe we've already hit on it. We, If a student has been listening to this and, and they've been taking notes, I, I think that they're already uh, part of the way there. Um, so so heed all of all of what, you, what you've heard. Um, uh, there are so many situations I've been in where, I say, man, if, if only someone would have told me this, right? And perhaps somebody did and I didn't want to listen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so listen to your professors. <laughs> um, no, what, what I would say is educate yourself and put yourself out there and network. Um, educate yourself in general ed. I, I'm a firm believer in academics. I'm a firm believer in, in higher ed. Um, I'm not going to say that it's for everybody, but I am going to say this, that you never know where you're going to be where you're talking to a producer who could hire you and they bring something up about, I don't know, about um, Leonardo da Vinci. And you know about Leonardo da Vinci because you took that general ed art history class, right? So just, you know, get educated, go to go take classes to get a well-rounded education. So you, you have that knowledge that will come through for you in practical purposes, like, you know, in conversations with people, but will also come through in your stories. The more you read, the better stories you'll tell. And if I could say anything, and you will break in, uh, I, I'll say that you, you will break in eventually. You got a network. We all know that. Um, if I could say anything, though, in the meantime, create. Don't stop creating. Okay, now my last question for you. Do you have a, a Do you have a script still? No, I have a few. <laughs> Doesn't mean you get to read them. No, no, I know. I think I'm the only one in Hollywood where people go who doesn't have a script. Every time I talk to someone, they always go, "Do you have a script?" They go, "Yep." They're like, "What's it about?" Ah, uh, secret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you very much. This was a great conversation, and I hope a lot of students get a lot out of it. I really did. So, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you.